Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You currently locked in to two of the coldest brothers in the land. It's D-Porch Podcast. And I'm your boy, B. Jones, a.k.a. Bolo. And you know when I'm pulling up to the porch, I can't pull up without my dog. What's going on, y'all? It's your boy, Big Smitty, a.k.a. D-Nice. He heard Bolo just said, this is the porch. Bang. Welcome. I see you repping the Eagles right now. I'm not for sure what that means. Talk to us. Explain to the porch. For the, for the listeners, our man Bolo, longtime Chicago Bears fan, is representing the Philadelphia Eagles right now. I don't know if this is like a bandwagon moment. I'm not exactly sure what, yeah. what this is, but explain to us real quick what's going on. Don't hit me with the B word. Don't hit me with the B word. Now, <laughs> I, I, I have been an Eagles fan. Now, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, Porsche family. Is it okay to be a fan of, of more than one team? I don't know. But I happen to be a fan of the Eagles and also the Chicago Bears. So, um, you know, grown to love, you know, Jalen Hurts, you know, love the program. My dog used to coach there a couple years ago. So, you know, I, I did grow to love him for a little bit. So, yeah, man, it's only right. And they, you know, they only lost one game this year, so they're doing really well. So I guess you can call that bandwagon then. But I was rocking <laughs> that I was rocking that shit when they was, you know, doing real bad. So, you know, it is what it is, though. Shout out to the Eagles, shout out to the Bears. It's all love. Ain't no knocking, man. Hey, they ball, they balling right now, man. Listen, we, we've all been wagging at some point in our lives if we're keeping it all the way real. So, you know, okay, it's all fair. good. So then, it's not, so then I'm a bandwagon then. That's fine. I'll take it's it. It's cool, I'll though. Just, just own it. I, I think if you own it, then we ain't really tripping. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So I own it. I, I, I'm a bandwagon that you asked. They, they took an L to a very mediocre Washington Commanders team. So they should be undefeated. But it's cool. They're going to go to the dance. NFC tough, though. I know, you know, we got to keep is. going. NFC tough with the Vikings. You know what I'm saying? Cowboys. Cowboys. And obviously, I'm a Bears fan, so both all of those teams are on the NFC. But, you know, I like who I like, though. So, especially right now, this season currently, I'm just a big fan of, of the Eagles. And I'm actually a, a fan of the, how the Cowboys are playing, too, especially if they get Odell. So uh, Most definitely, man. It's just a, a lot going on in, in, in the NFL. A lot of parody right now. And uh, uh, sticking to football, but kind of moving to the college ranks, man. Primetime coach Deion Sanders. been a lot of noise the last – few days last week or so about his decision to leave Jackson State and take on a new challenge. You know, he he accepted the head coaching position at Colorado, um, a struggling team, struggling, you know, school. I think they were one in 11 this past season. And, uh, you know, you know, they got they gave him an opportunity. He accepted it. He's moving on. And uh, unfortunately, on social media, there's been a kind of mixed feelings. There's some people that are supporting them, excited for a new opportunity. But then on the other half, there's people calling him a sellout, um, you know, saying that he he used the HBCU was like a pedestal to grow within his career. And this is a big topic right now. Obviously, you guys, you guys know Deion Sanders is a legend, one of the greatest NFL players of all time and one of the most popular athletes in sports, period. So we had to bring this to the porch. Uh, myself, Bolo, obviously former collegiate athlete. So we have some experience when it comes to just you know, uh, dealing with coaches leaving and things like that. 
But I'm going to talk to you first, Bolo. What are your thoughts on just the whole, um, you know, Deion Sanders leaving the HBCU for a new opportunity with Colorado? Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, BELIEVE, to receive your rewards. Bet online, where the game starts. Now back to the porch. Uh, so my, my opinion on it. So before I, I give my raw thought on it, uh, let me just, let me just, you know, play both sides of the fence. So if, you know, I'm not an HBCU grad, I went to a PWI, uh, so has Darnell. So my raw emotions and how I feel about the situation may not hit home the way it does for somebody at HBCU or for somebody who specifically goes to Jackson state. All right. So let's just clear that up. Now, I do understand how people do feel like, you know, Dion may have left HBCUs high and dry. Okay, let's think about the positives. College game day. All right. Let's think about all of the rappers and all of the activity that has transpired the past several years with HBCUs. Right. I understand that. Right. So he has brought a lot of attention, a lot of notoriety to HBCU football. Right. Me myself and per me myself personally have not watched the HBCU game until Deion Sanders got to the HBCU. Haven't right. So for that, that man should be commended for for him bringing more people to the HBCU world to watch football. That alone should bring uh, that man should get a, a round of applause. Right. I think he should be congratulated for what he's done so far for HBCUs. I think us as a culture always stick to the bad things, always have a bad connotation behind things that transpire and things that, that go on. What about, you know, money that he's taken out of his paycheck to continue to add to the facilities? What about him shouting out different um, HBCUs, making sure that people, you know, turn out for the games so it can be a packed house so that school can generate revenue because a lot of people are buying tickets to the game. Right. So people don't think about situations like that. People don't think about the resources that he shared with different HBCU coaches in order to get them to make them successful. People didn't think about all the other college coaches. I mean, all the NFL coaches that he's brought to different camps to make sure that these HBCU players get notoriety. Right. So at the end of the day, him leaving does not uh, put a vacancy in that situation. What it does is it gives somebody else an opportunity to step up and take that take that place, right? One thing that I don't appreciate, specifically from our culture, is we obviously you saying Dion used used the used uh, HBCUs, but it feel like the way y'all talking, it feel like y'all using Dion. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So Preach. this man is not a trophy. This man has feelings. This man has a thought process. This man has a family. And at the end of the day, you could take any HBCU coach. 
in the in the mat in the swag in the MEAC, and you could say, hey, I'm giving you 28 to 29 million dollars, right, to go play for five years versus my one point whatever I was making within five years, and also the money that I also was, uh, you know, putting out to other resources to the university. Ten times out of ten that individual is going to take that money, right? I understand that it's not about the money, but it's about the opportunity. I have kids. I'm establishing generational wealth. And not only that, okay, and, and I don't want to be too long-winded on this. I'm going to let uh, my boy d get a get a shot at this. But at the, at the same time, there still will be opportunities afforded to people that look like us at the PWIs. I say that because we're going to Colorado. Deion is going to Colorado, okay? No matter what, when you think about Division I football, it is 70 to 80% predominantly black, right? If I have 80% black people on my team, I probably want a black man running my program. I want a black man teaching and developing my kids to get them ready for the real world. world. Not, a, not a white man who only cares about wins. If you've seen Deion, you've seen the videos, not only is he teaching people how to win, but he's teaching people how to win life as well. Right. So at the end of the day, when he continues to grow, I guarantee you, he's not going to forget about the HBCUs. He's going to find a way to get back. And what people don't know is during the preseason, when he starts to get those, when he connects with his AD of Colorado and he starts to schedule those games, I guarantee you, he's going to start scheduling HBCUs on the list. You know why? Because he's going to be able to pay them money to go actually go out there and play, play them. So what mo most people don't know, these Power 5 schools schedule some of the HBCUs or the Lord D1 schools, and they pay them a significant amount of money to go out there and actually play. When I played at Ball State, it's not a big not a big school, but it's a D1 school. We played, you know, Clemson. We played the, uh, you know, Oklahoma's. We were paid $1.2 million, you know, $3, 4000000 million to go out there and play these teams. Same with HBCUs. When they go out and play these Division One teams, they get paid a significant amount of money. So I guarantee you within the next two to three years, we will see HBCU uh, teams being scheduled on Colorado's roster because we will start to pay them, all right, to come out and play play Colorado. All right, so now that's money in their pocket. So it's a win-win situation for everybody, all right? The, the, the biggest thing for me is this just gives somebody else a chance to step up and, and, and take over what Dion has already opened up. Dion was not going to kill himself, spreading out, spreading himself too thin, trying to continue to make HBCU one of the number one, you know, uh, conferences uh, are the, are the one of the number one, you know, schools, mm -hmm. you know, in the country. It, it just wasn't going to happen. You know what I mean? One of those, it's like one of those things where it's like a, it's like a melting pot. It's a slow thing that has to form and develop. It's not going to happen in two or three years. It's not going to happen in five years, but it's something that people have to continue to invest in. And you guys got to go to the game. I know HBCU has a lot of culture where everybody go out, everybody go to the tailgates, everybody kick it. But how about you buy a ticket and you actually go into the game and support the schools as well? So that's one of the things that that's big upon us is like we blaming one man for trying to save an entire HBCU community where you got thousands and thousands and thousands of people who can actually continue to allocate their dollars properly and, and get together, to continue to make HBCUs bigger and better. Mm. So that's 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 my piece on it. Um, I, I, I'm extremely happy for Dion. Dion will win. He's a winner. He's going to bring a lot of people with him. You know what I mean? And that's just what it is. He's going to win and he's going to continue to grow. Who doesn't want to grow? Who doesn't want to make more money? As much as anybody loves their job right now, if anybody pays you a significant amount of money based upon what you're making now, nine times out of 10, you're going to transition into a new role. And I'm just saying, so that's just my two cents. Mike drop man that was beautifully said bolo man i think i mean you you covered a lot of the same points that 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 i was thinking i'm just going to add a little bit of 
more spice, little season on top of everything you you just said, bro. Um, but yeah, I, first of all, shout out to Coach Prime, shout out to Deion Sanders, Coach Deion Sanders for a new opportunity. It's all about growth in life. I don't care what career field you're in, what job you know you're currently in. It's all about elevating and growing. And listen, people who went to HBCUs don't take this as as a diss. Like when I say growth, he he's literally he, he's literally growing. Like not even from an HBCU standpoint. Like take that out of it. I'm saying from an actual division standpoint, he's now in, at a true D1 level for a power five school, you know, at the F, in the FBS, like he's literally elevating at a higher level. He's getting more money. He's having a a, a, a bigger, uh, better facilities, better, just better everything. You know what I'm saying? And another point too, is that we don't know what coach prom's long-term vision is. He doesn't have to tell us that, but let's say, his big term, big time goal is to eventually get to the NFL and coach at that level. There's a certain, there's certain steps you have to take to get to that point. You don't go from HBCU to NFL. You have to climb that ladder. So my thing is, don't get mad at, at a black man for elevating his life and, and 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 getting and and getting a better opportunity. We complain all the time about black coaches not getting enough head coaching opportunities at the NFL level, the college level. And then as soon as we get a, a prominent black famous player and coach an opportunity, we call him a sellout because he left for HBCU. My thing is, Coach Prom did everything he said he was going to do at Jackson State and more. He just did it in a short amount of time. He did it in three years. Like So my question to all the critics is, what could Dion have done to, to, to make you happy? Like, did he have to retire at Jackson State? Coach there for 30 years and then retire? Like, what's the solution? What what were your expectations of, 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 of prime time? Because my thing is, I never went, went into this thinking like, Coach Prime going to be here for the rest of his life. No. We we all thought that he would be here for a certain amount of time and that he, he would move on. I think we all, I, I thought that was like common knowledge, you know, from the jump. So my thing is, he came here, brought all this attention, to not just Jackson State, to HBCUs, like you mentioned earlier, Bolo, college game day, you know, ESPN games. Jackson State has better facilities, better jerseys, so much media attention and just fan attention that they have never received. Back-to-back SWAC titles and just had the first ever undefeated season. Bringing on big-time recruits, he did all that. And instead of people being thankful for his actual actions and what he did, Y'all mad because he's leaving, and now y'all saying, oh, we're not going to have all that no more. Well, you wouldn't have had it in the first place if he never decided to go to Jackson State in the first place. So I think y'all looking at it like backwards. Be thankful the fact that uh, uh, that he came there, made the sacrifice, and, and did what he did for Jackson State and for HBCUs. Now it's the job for the next person, the next man up, to kind of grab the baton and, and, keep, and keep the flow going. Jackson State... Um, it, it's still gonna have a, a lot. Of, not every player ain't transferring. Every player ain't leaving. So it's still gonna have some really good players there. Um, all the fans that he brought on to HBCUs the last couple of years, they're now gonna be like, okay, there's actually good talent and good games in HBCU. I'm a, I'm gonna continue watching. They're not gonna just stop watching because Dion ain't there. Maybe right. some fans will, but e- even still, you're gonna have more fans going into next season than you would have had prior to Dion showing up. Exactly. So either way, he's still you still benefit. And, and and then Bolo, you hit you made an amazing point. I did not even think about this. 
there's a good chance that he might schedule some HBCUs to play against Colorado. And, and, and that's how you get the bag. That's how you get more prominence and you have a chance to upset a big time school. You know what I'm saying? So my thing is, man, listen, don't bite the hand that feeds you. Don't, and don't do this too. Don't uh, uh, um, criticize a legend like primetime. Like this, I don't think I understand, like in the sports world, like in black culture, primetime is that guy. You know what I'm saying? So now if, I, if I'm a, a former player and I'm thinking about coaching HBCUs or being the next coach at Jackson State, and I'm seeing all the backlash that primetime is getting for leaving and going to another school, now I'm a second guess myself. Like, hold on, Absolutely. if y'all doing primetime like this, and I know y'all don't care about me. Shoot, I, I, you know what? Never mind. I don't even want to coach no more. Right. I don't even want to coach no more because y'all, the way y'all treating a legend who's done so much for you, y'all going to treat him like that? So, listen, man, I think it's a shame. Dion's the opposite of a sellout. He's always been himself since day one. He's always been a part of the culture. He's always been him. You know what I'm saying? And I know he, he's going to have nothing but success here moving forward, man. So y'all let us know, man, you know, Porch family, what y'all think. Let us know in the comments, hey. man. And uh, hey. yeah. And last point uh, that I just thought about is like one of the things that I heard from people that went to HBCUs is like he went, he gave us all of these promises. He wished so many things. It's just like anything. Right. Let's just take it back to like you, you're just a normal person. Right. You get a new job. You have all of these goals and aspirations of things that you want to accomplish. You sit in a row, you start to accomplish little after little, but you do have a long term goal with that employer. But out of the blue. Here comes this great employer, maybe a Fortune 500 company is trying to, you know what I mean, pay you probably an extra 25% of what you're making right now to leave. Do you yep. think you're thinking about your long-term goals at your current, your current employer? Do you think you're caring about any of the things that you accomplish, you know, that you are looking to accomplish in the future when you have another opportunity to go ahead and try to attack, right? That's just the way life is, you guys. All right, yep. I understand that he did create promises, but a lot of things he did meet. OK, and at the end of the day, the biggest point that you made, Darnell, and I think that's the goal is having HBCUs in the conversation to where that there now is more fans watching HBCUs than there was fans before Dion actually came to HBCUs. Yep. So that alone shows us that HBCUs are, 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 are continuing to evolve and continue to develop. They're extremely underfunded. We understand that. Right. So one thing that is going to continue to take is people to continue to give give yep. give give you can talk 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 but talk 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 ain't gonna move nothing so you gotta continue to give and i get you know rappers came out right y'all can put together funds man to get any type of rapper that y'all want all right up to bring y'all out each game that's that's just what it is you know what i mean everything is possible you know what i'm saying the only difference now is just that one human being that one human being cannot change the world you know <laughs> right. what i'm saying so everything that was going on at the end it still can it still can happen you know what i'm saying so uh at the end of the day pwis power five all the coaches is 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 80 percent 80 80 to 85 white coaches you know what i'm saying so this guy is getting ready to break another barrier and then bring more people to the the power five conference so yeah. i don't understand you guys if y'all know that you know what i'm saying i i get the situation where people are like you know my kid will go to hbcu over power five until you get in that position, you have people like uh, Travis Hunter, you know what I'm saying? You have people like that, right? But at the end of the day, people are going to go where the resources are allocated to where they continue to grow. 
Obviously, HBCUs will get there probably in the next 15, 20 years. Are you willing to sacrifice your son's career? Are you willing to sacrifice your cousin, your friend, whoever you may love, their career, right, to go to HBCU? Now, I love HBCUs. I think HBCUs are great. It, it, it's a it's a family. The professors, like the the just kind of the the, the gelling, culture, yeah, the culture, everything is beautiful about HBCUs, right? And football is slowly but surely climbing the ranks, right? But it's not so there OP yet. Not, just being real, it's not there, <laughs> and it's honest, and that's just and that's just being as transparent as possible. Now, at the end of the day, all the people that's complaining online, would you rather watch Alabama LSU or would you rather watch HBCU game? Let's just keep it real. Let's call a spade a spade. I'm just telling you what it is right now. It, it may not be like this in 20 to 25 years, but at this current moment right now, we want to make sure that since our, our black boys are going and playing at this PWI, we want to make sure we get as many coaches that look like us as possible so that we can learn as much as we can and we can bring that HBCU field to the PWI. Yep. I think Coach Prime said it. He said he basically, in a nutshell, to kind of summarize, he said, like, my impact, my influence isn't based upon a location. You know what I'm saying? So, like, he can go whether Jackson State, Colorado, NFL, his plan is to continue impacting lives and in the lives of all ethnicities, all races, but especially us. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, shout out to Coach Prime, man. We can go on, go on forever with this, man. We, we want to hear from y'all, man, our live listeners on Caffeine. Let us know in the comments, man. How do y'all feel about Coach Prime leaving leaving Jackson State, going to Colorado? We definitely want to hear from you guys. But I think it's time to bring in our special guest. He's been waiting very patiently, man. And we about to switch gears from football to basketball. Um, one of my guys, man, who I who I you know watched during the Drew League. So let me go ahead and bring him up and introduce him the right way. All right, guys. Like I told you, man, we got a very special guest on the porch today. This is my guy, man. He's a uh, he's a he's a real deal hooper. He played at Auburn, played at, played at Fresno State, hooped overseas. He's played on Ice Cube's Big Three, and he hoops as the Drew League, y'all. Everybody know about the Drew League, man. The best pro am in the land. The one and only New Williams. Welcome to the porch. Yes, sir. Appreciate you for having me. Yes, yes sir. sir welcome. Yeah, we're so excited to have you on, man. And uh, we are, you know. Live on caffeine, so all our viewers are gonna be tuning in, man. So yeah, y'all, y'all drop the fire emojis in the comments right now, man. We're definitely excited to hear about your about your journey, man. And uh, let's get straight to it. So obviously, like I say, you know, long time Hooper, love watching you play. You know, in the Drew League, you know, the last few years uh, since I've been there hosting and being like sideline reporting. Um, tell us though, what's your first memory of basketball? Like when you think back, like during your childhood, what's that first memory that that, that really uh? I guess made you start loving basketball. Uh, I would have to say, I think I was maybe like two or three years old. Damn. And uh, my great grandma, she got me this little little Tykes basketball hoop, um, and put it in the in the backyard. And so I used to always go out there and I have my little miniature ball and shoot on shoot on a little tykes court in the backyard i think that would that would be my first memory of of basketball and like when i really started loving it that's nice. dope man hey hey Bolo, he got some good memory he said i was like two or three Dude, i don't remember i don't remember none before five i got a one look i got a one-year-old and a three-year-old and i'm looking seeing how they move trying to see if they're gonna be athletic or not i might have to just go ahead and pull out the court see if see if we got a chance see if we got a shot or not no nah, most definitely <laughs> No, so so I guess when did you, when did you know like you were going to be good at basketball? Mm. Uh I was about 5. <laughs> yeah, early. 
that's when I started like playing organized basketball and like being on like travel teams and stuff like that. Um, and I've always kind of been confident. So even at, at a young age, like I was pretty confident in what I could do, even though, I mean, I was just barely learning the game, but um, gauging myself against, you know, the, the other players I was there, I was like, okay, like I'm kind of nice. <laughs> I can do this thing. Now tell me that like, is there like a particular moment like that stands out like during, maybe during little league, you know, growing up hooping where you was like, man, like, like, like I went off that game. You know what I mean? Like, like that first, that first game that comes to mind, you're like, man, I, I just remember this moment. Like maybe it was a game winner. I don't know, whatever it may be. Like, uh, tell us that moment. Okay. So when I was about eight, I used to go to, uh, the Palisades outside courts with my dad, because my dad and his friends, they used to play on the outdoor courts at Palisades yeah. uh, back when I was younger. So I used to always go there with with, them, with with him and they didn't let me play on the court. You know, I was I was just I was only eight. But on the backside, they used to have like tryouts every summer for um, their little league team that they had on their little summer league team up at Palisades. Right. And the the age group was i think uh 8 to 13 or 8 to 14 one of the two um so i used to sneak back into the tryouts cuz you had to pay to get in the tryouts so i used to okay. sneak back there since i was already up at the school and i used to kill everybody in the tryout and they would bring me on the team and my dad would be like oh no nah, like we don't want to pay for that like but they would be like no nah, like we he's good like we want him to play you don't, you don't got to pay nothing like just bring him on the team right so I was playing um, in this league and there was one game. I think our team scored like 48 points, but I had 24 to 48. Ew. So Great. I was like, okay. Okay. All right. I know what I am. That's when, I <laughs> kind of being, that's when my, I got a little ego boost. Cause I'm like, cause I looked at, at the, at the, uh, at the scoreboard at the end of the game and I'm like, 48 points and I'm counting my points throughout the whole game. Right, so of I'm, course. I said, oh, I got, I scored all the points, basically. I'm yeah. like, okay. So He's like, I, hey, my man was eight years old. He's like, hey, I, hey, I'm him. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think that was the, the, when, the moment when I first was like, okay, yeah, I'm that guy. That's, man, cold. that's cold. I love hearing stories like that, man. You know, it's all, I feel like we all got like certain moments, you know, literally middle school, high school, just that like, really just built that confidence up and just really stood out. And you know what I mean? A lot of times you need those moments to really just, uh, uh, again, build the confidence up for you to keep going, for you to go harder. Cause it's, you know, it's, it's all about that self-belief. You know what I'm saying? And when you had those moments at a young age, I thought he just puts that extra fire in you to just keep going. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's love. Now, obviously, you know, I think about the game of football, like I coach football now, play football at a young age. You've been playing basketball since literally you were two years old, right? So you live and breathe the game uh, right now. So let me let me ask you this: like, what has basketball done for you in like totality? And mm. and you know, why is the love of the game right now so strong? Um, you know, basketball gave me an outlet. Uh, I grew up in Inglewood. I grew up in the hood. Mm. Uh, seeing a lot of things go down. You know been in a lot of little situations where you know ogs would be like nah like you know relax like he hoop uh so basketball kind of gave me an outlet to basically you know I, I mean i had really good parents but you know right. like, you know 
with your parents all the time. And when you out by yourself, like, you know, there's a lot of influences out in the world um, that, you know, some people, they, they fall into, but basketball allowed me to kind of keep my, keep my head focused and staying uh, in my lane as far as, you know, doing with, with, I wanted to do and and what I was good at. And a lot of people recognize like, okay, like he got potential to be something. So they kind of left me alone or made sure that somebody else that was trying to be, you know, and you know, you know how it is. They made sure they they stayed out. They made sure they stayed out my way as well. So um, it it created that for me. Basketball has allowed me to, you know, live good and and take care of myself. when my parents couldn't buy me shoes or something like that, like being good, you know, people was like, oh, I'll get you some shoes or, you know, a team that was over here, you know, they would, they would look out for me. Um, so basketball just really created a lot of opportunities uh, for that, but also for, you know, learning how to be a man and learning how to maneuver throughout the world. Um, Cause there's a, a lot of life lessons that you can learn in basketball especially as you move up the levels um, in terms of business, like this game is a, a real business. Like it's not always about skill. It's not always about how good you are, how talented you are, how athletic you are. There's a lot that really goes into the business side of basketball as well. So it taught me that. Um, it taught me how to be a good speaker, how to go out in the world and talk to people a certain kind of way, um, how to carry myself a certain kind of way. Um, there's just so many lessons. Like I can go down the line and just shoot them all off, uh, you know, for hours uh, throughout all of the lessons that basketball has taught me. But I think those are some of the the core lessons that I've learned. And that's, I think that's important too, just because like, you know, sometimes what people may see as just somebody dribbling or dunking a basketball or running a football and things like that is literally a vehicle. You know what I'm saying? You know, throughout life that creates success. It teaches you good things, teaches you bad things. You know, you make mistakes, um, you see success, you know, and, and you could just compare that to, you know, just ordinary life um, in general. And it, and it helps you out so much. And it's just it just so happened that it's a game that you love. But at the same time, it's teaching you life lessons. So um, that's why I always tell parents, man, sports is big. Like even when people say, you know, at a young age that kids shouldn't start playing sports so much, but. I don't even think at a young age sports is, you know, for actual sports, but it teaches it teaches teamwork, it teaches discipline, it teaches you to be on time, it teaches you to, you know, humility, how to lose. So that grows, that grows with you all the way until you're an adult and teaches you things that no other person can teach you or no man probably can teach you, but the game can. So that's that's real. Yeah. Now, 100%. And just to, act, to kind of piggyback on that, man, I, I always kind of say sports to me is like is like a, a, a extra parent. I know that sounds weird, but because of everything you guys just listed, you learn so much from playing in your sport, whether it's football, basketball, soccer, tennis, like whatever it may be. You learn so much from your sport. To me, it's, it's almost like having like a, a extra parent in, in, in a weird way. You know what I'm saying? Because everything you just said, new. I mean, I've learned the same thing. Um, from basketball because basketball was my first love, but then I transitioned to football because I was just better at it. And but both sports, I mean, you learn you learn so much from it. You know what I mean? Just like you said, how to lose is a big one. You know what I'm saying? How to win? You know what I'm saying? How to be confident but not too cocky and to kind of find that balance and be a teammate. Take the back seat. Take the front seat. Like there's so many different moments in sports that that that, that happens that you that feel like it teaches you. And I think it's so important for. I agree with you, but I think it's so important for. He is growing up to 
at, at least at least play some type of sport at some point in your life, even, even if you're not great at it. That's cool. It's not even about that. It's about just what you learn from it. So now that's big. I mean, I appreciate new sharing that with the porch. Now, now let me ask you this, man. I mentioned this during during your intro. I call you a, a Drew League legend just because, man. I feel like every time I watch you play, I'm I'm, I'm waiting for something exciting to happen because at any moment you might duck on somebody. Like anything can happen when you watch the New Williams at the Drew. So, uh, being from LA, obviously, talk about how the Drew League has impacted you in, in your career. Uh, the Drew League has been a great asset for my career, uh, as far as you know the exposure that you get being in the Drew League, uh, the players that you get to play with, like, you know, the past couple of years, I've been blessed to play with Montrez with, he's a, a great big to play with, yeah. uh, great in the pick and roll. Um, our first year we, we played, I think our first game with Kenneth Fareed. Um, you just never know who you're going to see in a Drew and to be able to be on a team with these guys and learn from them and pick up stuff and, you know, they give you little jewels here and there and just being on the court with these guys and, you know, understanding how they see the game and how can, how that can affect, you know, how you see the game as well. Uh, it's been a blessing. Um, I started off my first team. I forgot the name of the team. I don't think they're uh, around anymore, but on my, on my team, we had Trey Burt. Mm-hmm. Um, who else did we have on that team? We had dribble too much. Uh and then we had a couple overseas guys. And at that time, I was still in college. I had just came home from being at Auburn and where I was struggling with injuries at Auburn. I was able to come to the Drew League and kind of get that confidence back by being able to play with these guys and seeing like, OK, like I can I can run with these dudes. Right. Um, I kind of helped my confidence a little bit where I was back at school struggling with injury and, you know, trying to work my way back onto the court. Yeah, man. No, I love it, man. Let, let me ask you this. Obviously, there's so many probably stories that come to mind or that you could pick from. But is there, I guess, tell us your favorite story or just moment so far from playing at the Drew. Like, is there something that stands out for you? Uh, While you're thinking, I'm going to tell you my, my favorite moment of you specifically was, uh, I think it was during the pandemic year. We had, we had the dunk contest and I was there hosting. And I remember I ran up to you with my cell phone. You had just put the you, you put the arm in the bucket like Vince Carter did in 2000. You hung on the rim. And I remember running up on you with the phone and you pointed at me. Then the video, it, it did numbers on IG. Uh, and that was like my first really experience, like meeting you and getting to know you. And uh, for me personally, that was my favorite moment. But I'm sure you probably got something even better than that. No, yeah, that was great. With, with Ron Artest holding the ball up and everything like that. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Um, I think my favorite moment was a game we I think we were down 20 in the first half um I don't remember who we were playing but I think I scored like 15 or 20 points in the second half and me and Mike James were going back and forth trading buckets he hit me I'm hitting him like we started getting in a groove um and we ended up pulling out and winning that game and that was a real fun game because now I mean we did our thing on offense but we really won that game on defense and like everybody sat down and really was like, all right, we're going to go out here and lock up. That's what I kind of love about public enemy is that guys will put their pride to the side and really sit down and, and lock up, which you don't see much in, in pro-am because, you know, like not, not everybody takes it super serious. Cause you know, you're out here just getting some running and some burning, right. you know, having fun. But that was a time where we really sat down and were like, all right, like 
we not about to sit here and lose. And we had everybody sat down and locked up. That was, I think that was a great moment. That's what's so, up, man. But let me ask you this. Obviously, you know, you see the Drew League, this, you know, uh, all of these, you know, phenomenal athletes. Who gave you hell? Like, who was who was that that athlete that was like, damn, like, let me, let me, let me get my shit together because it, it may be a long day for me. Keep it real, no. Keep it real, no. This is the porch. This is the porch. I don't know if I got one of them. I'm really <laughs> <laughs> He's, I don't think nobody I gave me hell, Bolo. Shit, yeah. I feel you, though. Look, if it ain't nobody, shit, I ain't nobody. I'm, I'm, look, I'm me. I'm I think I, I think somebody that that was a, a tough cover was Casper Ware. Uh, he knows how to draw contact. He knows how to get. He knows how to get his fouls. Um, and I think I had. I think I had four fouls that game just because he was getting to his spots and getting a little bump and the and the refs, I mean, they was giving it to him. I didn't really think all of them was fouls, but right, right. you got to respect somebody that knows how to get to those spots and, and get those calls. Nah, for sure, man. And for those you don't know, for some of our Indianapolis listeners or Chicago listeners or wherever you might be tuning in from, Capital Wear is definitely another Drew League legend. It's, it's, the entire Wear family has been a part of the Drew League for, for many years, man. And uh, he's definitely a hooper, man. When, when that man gets hot, he's definitely a problem on the court. So, yeah, I, that, that's definitely a good one there for sure. So, let, now let's uh, transition to your to your college years. You kind of t- touched on it a little bit. Um, talked talk about Auburn. Um, kind of explain explain that a little bit more. So I saw you went to Auburn at first, right, and then you eventually transferred over to Fresno State. Is that correct? Yeah. No. Explain, I guess, why that transition. What happened? What was it? Mostly because of injuries. Was it just just the vibe wasn't right? Too far from home. Kind of explain that to us. Uh, there was a lot. There was a lot of factors that kind of went into it. When when I was coming out of high school, before I got hurt so I tore my ACL my junior year of high school mm. so before I got hurt I was top 25 in the nation and number two in California behind Tyler Dorsey um when I got hurt of course you drop because you don't you don't get to play in the summer um and I committed early so I didn't play my last year of AAU which I probably should have especially coming off that injury um so they believed in me. They were one of the people that came after I had my injury because I cut out. I cut off everybody that uh, was before my injury because they was all like, oh, well, we don't know. Like, you right, already know right. how the recruiting game goes. So I was like, all right, well, if y'all not rocking with me and, and my time of need, I'm not going to rock with y'all. And Auburn was one of the teams that came to me after that. And, you know, they believed in me. Uh, I went through rehab, you know, it was all good. But Bruce Pearl came down to see me one game in my senior year, and my coach did not take me out the entire game. Mm. And I had just, I, I'm just right off, I'm fresh off injury. Yeah. Um, and he's like, yo, like, what's, like, what are you doing? So they ended up capping my minutes for the rest of the season because they didn't really want me playing because they wanted me to be healthy. As soon as I got to Auburn, I had to have a second surgery because I had a ball of scar tissue sitting on the actual ACL graft that was the size of a golf ball. So it was like huge. And luckily, the team doctor for Auburn was Dr. James Andrews, which is like one of the top doctors in the world. Like 
anybody in the league that gets injured, you know, they go to him. Like he's one of the top doctors in the world. So luckily we had him and he was able to do the surgery without re-tearing my ACL, which anybody else would have probably re-tore my ACL trying to cut that ball of scar tissue off. Right. So Bruce was kind of like, uh, are you good? Like, are you not good? But my first game, I had uh, 16, four and five off the bench. So everybody was like, oh, the sleeper at the SEC, he going to be SEC freshman of the year. Like everybody was was going off because, you know, I played well that game. Right. But Bruce kind of still wasn't sold. Then I'll give you all some little insight. Not too many people know about this. Uh-oh. Hey, exclusive, but, y'all. Exclusive on the right. porch from New Williams. <laughs> Tune in. But Bruce had a had a favorite player. And not in a in a bad way, but. This is just his guy. Right. So Tobias Harris, mm. Bruce used to coach him at Tennessee. Tobias Harris's little brother was a fifth-year senior that came to Auburn my freshman year. Me and him got in a fight, and that was BP's guy. Right. So it kind of put a strain on the relationship between me and BP because that was his guy. And... So I had to kind of fight for my minutes. Um, they put me in a knee brace after that because I hyperextended my knee. So they put me in a knee brace after that. And it was kind of just tough kind of going back and forth with, I'm like, the knee brace was hurting me. Right. We find out later that it's because it was fitted for the opposite leg. So it was a right leg knee brace on my left knee. And I was telling them, like, yo, like, this don't feel right. I don't want to wear it. Like, but they they just thought I was being a brat. Turns out there was a real problem with the knee brace. Um, then when it was my opportunity, though, because at the end of the day, you're not about to lose your job over the way you feel about another man. Like, right. if he better than somebody or if it's time for somebody to step up, like, you got to do what you got to do. So when it was my opportunity to do that, um, we were in Hawaii. And I was getting warmed up. I was feeling good. Like, my knee felt good. I was feeling athletic. And we were doing a walkthrough, literally, just walking. Like, we didn't we didn't no know running, no at all. <laughs> and we were walking through our play, uh, through our pl- through their plays, because um, we were playing Hawaii. We were walking through their plays, and I had my knee brace off, because I'm like, I don't need it. But it was real humid in Hawaii. So we're doing a walk, and I catch the ball, and I turn to pass it. But my foot gets stuck on the ground because of the humidity. And then everybody just sees my knee go boom, boom. Ah. Oh, because we just walking, and it's like, so it was real obvious when it happened. Like, you could just see it just go bow, bow. Everybody's like, oh. So I'm trying to play it off like I'm good. Right, right, right. I'm cool. I'm good. <laughs> so they they like, are you good? Are you good? I'm like, oh, I'm straight. Like, nah, because this is my time. This is like, because when I I get in, I'm going to do what I do. And it's going, I'm like, this is my time. So I'm trying to play it off. And I get in the warm-ups and they like, are oh, you not dunking a ball? They like, we don't, we don't right. see you dunking. So I'm like, nah, nah, I'm good. So I start jumping off my right leg, trying to dunk the ball. <laughs> But then they was like, nah, like, it's a wrap. Like, you're not playing. And then I had to end up sitting out again after that. 
And after that, like stuff like that would happen all the time. Like in practice, um, it would just, I would just tweak my knee. It would just mm-hmm. like, I'll be good. And then it would happen. Like I'm playing one-on-one with my dudes every night. Like we going hard, we going at it. Like I'm good. But yeah. during these little times, I would just end up tweaking my knee. So at that point I was like, I'm at a high major school. They're going to over recruit. That's just what they do because right. you got dudes are supposed to be getting in and out because they high level dudes. So it's one year, two year, like, yep. okay, now it's time to go to the, go to the league. And now it's time to, you know, um, and after my second year, I what they they didn't put me in one of the exhibition games versus Chattanooga, and I'm like, what? All right. So at that, I was like, all right, I'm a red shirt. They didn't want me to red shirt, but I'm like, nah, I'm a red shirt. And so Bruce is telling me like, oh, if you didn't red, if you don't red shirt, like you would be in the game, like you would be playing. I'm like, nah, I got a red shirt. Um, and then when I asked for my release, um, at the second half of the year. You know, he cried in the locker room when he was telling people I was leaving. But I'm like, I don't really believe. Right. I think <laughs> it was fake news. Right. Because if it was really that serious, like, I would have been in the games. It wouldn't have got to that point. I would have been in the games. Um, and then they they was doing a lot of weird stuff in on, on the school side as well, like, I'm having to go off on my academic advisors because they not, I'm five weeks, no books. And BP is telling me, oh, you're not playing because of your grades. I'm like, it's something going on here for me to not have my books for five weeks, which I have no control over because I kept a whole record of how many times I'm emailing everybody. I'm like, yo, I don't got my books. I need my books. Like, what's up? What's up? So I'm keeping record of all of this. And then on the other side is, oh, well, this is the reason. And I'm like, okay, well, something. Something fishy going on in Auburn. Something (laughs) going on. (laughs) So after after all that, I kind of just was like, all right, I mean, at this point, I need to make a decision. So I entered the transfer portal. Um, I had a lot of looks from a lot of other high major schools, Wake Forest, West Virginia. um, Who else? DePaul. Mm-hmm. Um, UConn. It was it was a lot of teams that I could have ended up going to, but I was listening to my dad, and he's thinking that I got to be in school by the start of second semester, which wasn't the case, in order to keep my eligibility. So mm-hmm. we really just moved with who was moving the quickest, mm-hmm. and I had a homeboy um, out here in LA. And he was like, my boy is a coach at Fresno State. Like, I'm going to holler at him and see if we can set up a workout, blah, 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 um, which I did. I set up a workout there. They liked me and everything. But they was doing fishy stuff, too. Mm. Yeah, it was. It was Everybody was clowning. Was <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. So they said they had a scholarship available and everything. And I'm coming from a high major school to a mid major. I like, yeah, you need to have a scholarship available in order for me to come to your school or else I'm gonna go to somebody else. Like that's the, that's the only option. Like there's nothing even like, how does that work? <laughs> turns out once I committed, they ran, they miraculously didn't have the scholarship no more because somebody that needed to play was going to be ineligible and they walk on, they had to give him the scholarship because 
if they didn't, then he was going to leave. I'm like, oh, okay. So y'all on some, turns out when, when, when I get to the school, he's, he's playing. What? Yeah. They so play, you knew. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, you know, my college experience was, it was a good learning experience. Right. Nice. The business side of, because college is big business. Yeah. Yeah, I damn near feel like all colleges damn near be finessing. It's just a matter of not getting caught. Mm-hmm. Like they all be on that on that shady, like sneaky shit. You know what I'm saying? But it's just a matter of how you play it. You know what I'm saying? And, and who gets wind of it before it hit the media or whatever. So most of that. But look, even at Ball State, I ain't gonna say no names or nothing. But I mean, you, you remember? You remember <laughs> we were getting those settlement, like those settlement checks, like after we graduated. I remember doing that process. It was it was a moment where, like, you know, I was talking to our to our. Uh, not our operations guy, but like our uh, what's our guy PQ? I can't remember what his title oh, yeah. was. The AD. The, the AD. A- yeah, exactly. But anyway, he was handling like you know, we were supposed to get granted these settlements for. I think it was like being on the video game, and then it was um, uh, it was something else too. It was like two settlements. So anyway, I remember during the process, like my money was getting delayed, and I'm like, I didn't understand what was going on, and come to find out, I I wasn't. It was some weird stuff to where I wasn't like on on a full ride, and I was like, "What?" I'm like, "I I ain't pay for I ain't pay for nothing. This is D one. I, I haven't paid for anything." Yeah. But some of the money came from like a like some random like African American yeah. scholar, uh, like some random like great. So I, I again, bro, I don't know all the ins and outs. I know I didn't pay for nothing, but I guess in the paperwork or whatever, it might have said like you know eighty percent, eighty five percent you know, scholarship ball state. And then like 15% came from this other grant. Like, so I don't know who's in control of all that. I ain't know. I ain't, you know, I ain't putting no names out there. I don't know what's going on, but long story short, it'd be some fishy stuff going on at these colleges, man. So I'm not surprised that by, by nothing you just said new at all. That's why, that's why I'm damn near happy that college, college players starting to get a little bit of bread for what they doing. Cause all this money that going to the college, all these coaches making so much money, you know what I'm saying? And you got the players like yourself, new getting hurt, you know what I'm saying? Sacrificing your body, being out there and everything. And sometimes people leave school and don't have a pot to piss in. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, why these million-dollar coaches, these million-dollar facilities don't really care once your four years is up. You know what I'm saying? Like, the point of, like, you wanting a red shirt, right? You wanting to save your years to continue to play. I know a lot of coaches that will be like, no, you, you, you playing, right. Just to try to get you, get you up and get you out of there um, as quick as possible. But, you know, being smart and, and, and knowing, you know, Hey, I'm a red shirt. I'm gonna get an extra year. You know what I'm saying? I'll move on and take advantage of my time. Like it's the best route. Cause sometimes people get controlled and manipulated by people too. So yeah. that's, that's real game. That's real, man. We dropping gems right now on the porch, man. If you a college athlete tuning in, man, hey, be smart. That's all I'm going to say. Be smart. Take your time with, with your decision making. Think through everything. Don't let no coaches or anybody else influence you to, you know, make the wrong move. So, but anyway, man, back to new. Um, let's transition to something that you're really good at, to say the least. Dunking. And I want to talk about just the, the art of dunking. I want to talk about your dunking ability specifically. Um, how did you how did you gain so much bounce? Like, have you always been a, a high jumper or like what was the work that went in for you to become this great at, at dunking? Um, a lot of it kind of came natural. And then you know, doing a lot of little stuff here and there. Like my neighbor, when I was uh, a kid, had a thigh master and I used to like 
go and try to use that or do like little calf raises on the uh on my little steps at my apartment complex yeah. or try to touch a certain point on a on a wall at the at the driveway and try to do that every day but when i really started to really jump high um was after i tore my acl what explain that to us that's great i find that's counterintuitive yeah so at, when i tore my acl it really put a fire under me because i had felt like you know i was just starting to get my due diligence um, I had just came off a, a, a great AAU season where I'm killing every top dog, every dude that's supposed to be somebody. A lot of them dudes are in the league right now. Um, Say their name, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just playing with you. <laughs> no, nah, but, uh, you know, I, I felt like I was just starting to get my due diligence and starting to get the recognition that I deserved that I felt like I wasn't getting before. So when I tore my ACL, really, really lit a fire under me. And uh, I told my my physical therapist, he said, and how long do you want to come back? And how many months? Six months, nine months? I said, I want to come back in four months. Mm. And then he laughed and he was like, ha, ha, ha. I'm, like, I'm not playing. Like, this is exactly how I said it to him. I'm not, this ain't no joke. And then I was in the rehab facility the day after my surgery. So I had right surgery. Next day I'm at rehab. You know, I'm like, yeah, like, come on, let's get to it. So they had, he was like, okay. They put me through a little workout. We tried to do some mobility because, you know, first day out of surgery, they're like, all right, we'll try and do this, that, and the third. Um, and then he was like, I'm going to give you some homework. He was like, right now we're on the yellow band, which was the the easiest band. Right. And it went yellow all the way to black. Um. So he was like, I'm gonna give you some homework. Next week you come back, we'll move on to the green band. You know, if you're still at this level, it's not okay. I mean, it's okay, we can, we'll stay at the yellow band. And the next week I came back, I was on the black band. The next week. Cause- You wasn't was, playing, hey, you was, <laughs> hey, you was at the crib just nonstop with the band, just doing your leg like this, going just, crazy. <laughs> Cause I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I gotta get back as soon as possible because I got to make sure that people are watching. I got to make sure that people are seeing because, you know, you ain't playing, then you they they forget, forget about you. you. Yeah. Forget about you. That's um, so I took my rehab really, really serious. And I, I just was a sponge, not only to you know, the workouts that we were doing, but the science behind why we're doing it. Like I'm not let, I'm telling my, my, my therapist, don't let nothing slip through the cracks. I don't care if it's one degree off. Like I need the feedback yeah. because I want to do everything exactly how I'm supposed to right. do it. So that when I come back, I'm a different animal. Right. So we had kind of a, a understanding going on and I, it got to a point where he would have other clients at the, at my time, because he just tell me to go do the workout by myself. Like he already knew I had it. He's like, you, you good. I'm gonna go ahead and go ahead and talk to these people over here. You go ahead and do your thing. Cause I know you got it. Right. Um, so I got really into understanding biomechanics, understanding how the body moves, understanding what muscles affect what, cause as a kid, you know, I think everybody thinks this. They're like, Oh, how do you get bounced? Do calf raises. 
Right. Right. Everybody. Everybody's up. like, oh, yeah, calf raises. That'll do it. But that's only a tiny part of a giant kind of understanding of what you're actually supposed to do. Like the calves only have a little bit to do with what muscles you actually should be focusing on. And I got really into like hips, understanding hip bias, glutes. That's the, that's one of the biggest muscles that you have on your body. And that is actually the thing that attributes to most of most explosive movements, Mm. whether that lateral vertical, like either way, the glutes have a lot to do with explosive movements. Um, so I got really into trying to understand the science behind it. So at the end of rehab, they make you take a movement test. And this movement test, they score you out of 50. In order to pass, I think you got to get like a 45 because you have to be almost perfect because they want to make sure you're doing this stuff. I'm the only person to this day, I'm, I think, eight or nine years post-surgery. I'm the only one to this day that's ever gotten a perfect score on the movement test. That's legendary right there. That's legendary. They, the, my, the guy that owns the, um, the physical therapy company, he had me come in and like teach one of his classes. He does classes on the weekend and he had me come in and teach one of his classes. Um, and we went through, we went through my scores and what I did in order to, you know, get those scores. Um, so I just took it extremely serious. And even now, like I, I teach this stuff to other people um, because when I learned it, I was like, I put 17 inches on my vertical after surgery. That's crazy. I should have met you years ago because I can't jump to save my life. What and in it, the world? And, and the, cra- the craziest part about it is, it's the smallest changes that make the biggest differences. Like a lot of people come to me and ask me like, oh, what workouts do you do to get bounced? And I'm like, I mean, I can tell you the workout regimen that I do, but if you're not doing it the exact right way, then I mean, you might see some progress. Of course, I mean, you, you're working out, you're building muscle. So you might see some progress, but you're not going to see the progress you could see if you're focused on the details, if you're focused on the technique. If you have an understanding of what you're doing wrong and what you're doing right in order to correct it so that when, you know, once you do something enough times, it becomes second nature. Right. So when you get to that point to where it's like, I know I did that wrong. I got to do this set again because I know that I may have made a uh, I compensated right here and I was maybe two degrees over to the left and putting more of the load on my left side than I am on my right side. I wasn't really even. So of course, if I'm not even, I'm putting more on one side than the other side, then the other side is gonna atrophy in a way if I continue to do it that way. My man, hey, my man dropping gems right now, y'all. The art wow. of dunking. I, I didn't even know New was gonna come with this. I, I didn't know he, he's a good dunker. My man is, is educating the porch right now. It's a science, Bolo. It's crazy. <laughs> hey, look, look, hey, y'all, hey, Porsche, I dunked, I dunked the basketball one time in my life, y'all. I never probably do it again. It rattled a little bit, man. <laughs> How'd it hey, feel? But it's cool, though. It's cool, though. Did, so, did it feel good? <laughs> yeah, it felt great, bro. I was a junior in high school, bro. Threw that bitch down. <laughs> I ain't doing no more. What was it? It's a wrap. No more. 
I'll never know. I'll never know that feeling. So, uh, but but I uh, go ahead and jump in. But you got you got a question. No, I was gonna say. So obviously, with all with all of that coming back after the after the injury, scoring a perfect fifty, um, you know, on 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 the uh, physical therapy test. When was the first time you came back and then you dunked on somebody? Like, talk talk to us about when you came back and you, now you you jumping off the ground and you just like laying the laying the law. Um, my first dunk. I wasn't even done with rehab yet. My dad was hot. Ooh. I was three months out of surgery and Ooh. I was up at LMU and my cousin, he was filming and I'm, cause I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm back. Like I'm feeling yeah. like I'm back. I'm three months out. I'm still, I'm still in rehab every day, but I go up and I do like a double clutch reverse and booming. Ooh. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah. This yeah, I'm I'm straight now. I'm good. That, so that shit, ain't, that shit ain't hurt. Not uh well, it did a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I never said nothing to nobody because I wasn't supposed to be doing that. But I can't not be. I can't be not supposed to do something and then get hurt right. doing. It. And now everybody is like, see, didn't I? Yeah, I told you right, right. right. And, and look, that feeling, that feeling of dunking again just outweighed the pain. Though you was just like, shit, I can do it. Shit, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I just had to make I just had to make sure I didn't lose anything. I was like, yeah. let me just check real quick to see if I got it. Make sure I still got it. You know yeah. That's like uh remember Space Jam when they uh finally got their powers back when they threw the basketball. Yeah, I still can do it. I was testing it out. <laughs> <laughs> now you're showing our age, Bolo. That's the first Space Jam. We ain't talking about LeBron, we're talking about MJ Space Jam. First Space Jam, y'all. Sorry. The OG. OG. <laughs> Tell me this new man. What what was your favorite like? Who, who who's your favorite person that you dunked on? Like I feel like I feel like it's had to be a, a somebody because you didn't dunk on a lot of people. Ooh. he got a long list. So he, he he's over yeah. here for our, for our audio listeners. He has a long list. He's looking in the sky right now. He's really trying to contemplate which one on this long list was his favorite. <laughs> Honestly, I think it's my boy. I don't I don't mean to do him like this, but my boy Chemezi. Chemezi. <gasps> The homie, yeah, can you break down the play for for the audio listeners? They need a visual. Yeah, <laughs> so we were playing Lawndale. I was at Santa Monica High. He was at Lawndale, and uh, the first game that we played him, I had I came off a of pick and roll. Mm -hmm. and this is the one I wish I would have really made. I came off the pick and roll. He was in drop coverage. So he was meeting me at the rim, and I, I mean, I cocked it all the way back. John Morant. And he jumped, and I just I just extended a little too long, and it went off the back rim. So I'm like, man, because I, I really wanted to make that. So I, because I, I, you know, I was going to say something to him. And at this time, we was talking about maybe going to the same school and everything. Yeah. So I really was going, you know, talk my talk if, if I made that. But the second game we played, I got another opportunity off a tip jam. So the ball went off the back rim. I ran in from, from the top of the key, and, and he was going up to grab a rebound. And I just put uh, – my hips was at his head. Like, I went oh, up. Oh, man. And then just boom. Boom. Nasty! It, it, it's giving me that 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 Kobe when he when he does on the white vibes. You know what I mean? That throwback. I know y'all know what I'm talking about for our, bas our basketball heads, man. 
That sound it's crazy. You describing it just now new. I feel like I just saw it. Like the way you just broke it down, I just saw the play step by step, man. So now nah, that's dope. That's dope. So one thing definitely gotta talk about, man, before we transition to our final segment is uh the show that you're currently on, Dunk Battle, where you and seven others, uh some of the best dunkers in the world, all competing for ten thousand dollars in the dunk battle trophy for all of our listeners right now. If you haven't tuned in yet. It's live here on Caffeine. Shout out to Whistle Sports. It's an amazing show. We're right here in the second round, um, you know, in, in the nine-foot rim. Uh, it, it's the, the 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 rules right now where they lower the rim down so we can kind of see a little bit more creativity from each of our dunkers. Without giving away too much, just kind of talk about just how, how the competition, you know, uh, has been for you. Just, you know, be, being amongst some, some of the best to do it, I feel like it, it has to be fun. It's a, it's really fun. Um, they've been talking me up. Are they just talking me up all summer? They post some videos talking. New Williams has never lost the dunk contest. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> everybody started saying it this summer when I got my my second win uh, versus Isaiah. Mm-hmm. And you know that that lit a fire under some guys. So going into this, I felt like all right, I really gotta you know bring my A game to this because everybody, you know, everybody is seeing this and they're like, hold on now. Hold on, right. <laughs> start to say it's about new, hold on. Maybe maybe he ain't winning against me. That's what a lot of guys are saying. Like one foot guy, he said that to me like, hey, you ain't winning against me yet. Let's... So George, shout out to Jordan Sutherland, man. <laughs> yeah, that's my guy. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a fun, great experience. Uh, like you said, some of the best dunkers in the world, like, these guys go out and, and do this stuff every day and, you know, work on all these dunks, these amazing dunks that you see, um, really innovative dunks. Like, yes, crazy, extremely creative. Like the creativity level is insane. Um, that's one thing I think I admire most about these guys is the stuff they come up with is like, how did you even think of that? Like, insane. I'm seeing double hunt, double honey dips. You know when you put both elbows in the rim. I'm seeing the fake East Bay, which is the fake oh, between yeah. the leg come That's back up. So people doing yeah. it's stuff I've never seen. I've never seen an NBA level. I ain't seen just like never. And, so and, and D now speaking of the NBA level, new you got to give us some insight. I know the porch want to hear it. The last couple of years, the NBA dunk contest has been atrocious. Okay. <laughs> What what I guess I guess give us some insight on what they need to do to make it better. Like, are the wrong people in the dunk contest? Are the right people in there, and they just they they just not doing the right thing? Like, cause y'all be doing some amazing things, and if that translated over to the NBA dunk contest on All Star Weekend, it would be one of the greatest shows on Earth. Like back in the day, Vince Carter, like Jason Richardson type type deal. But the last couple of years, we just ain't been getting that. What I think it is really is that social media has has spoiled us. Ooh. back in the day you didn't really have social media so even if people were out in the world doing some amazing things that you didn't really see in something as public as the nba dunk contest you saw the nba dunk contest so that was kind of the gold standard was nba dunk contest we're gonna see the best dunks but now you got guys like jordan kilgannon and you know, Jordan Sutherland and Isaiah Rivera, who are out on social media posting these never before seen dunks nice. that are just out of this world. And I feel like the NBA dunk contest has 
no longer become the gold standard for getting these amazing dunks or seeing the never before seen dunks. So I feel like in order to kind of make it better, they kind of have to be innovative in the way that they kind of showcase the guys that they have. Um, maybe adding in some of these other guys to be, you know, maybe teach them something or maybe be in the contest or, you know, it, it can go a lot of different ways, but I feel like what the norm has been in the past cannot continue to stay the same, especially because of social media and, you know, at the click of a button, you got everything that you want to see. And so it's like, uh, if I can go on, you know, this person's page and see him do a double between the legs, but then I got to go look on the dunk contest and you ju jumping over somebody sitting in a chair, like I'm good. I'm right, good. right. We, we've already seen that we're past that you know and that's a good point because i feel like social media like that's the negative side of social media right because like even bigger than just dunk contest you can think about life if you out here you know single and mingling you out here you know in the dating world you'll never be satisfied with the man or woman you with because you could just go scroll go to your explore page and you're gonna see somebody who you think look better this is bigger. That's 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 this. This is like you know what I'm saying. It's always yeah. something to look at. Where in your mind it kind of throws you off for like, ah oh, man, like what well, what I have isn't enough. You know what I'm saying? I think it's the same type of vibe with with the dunk contest. I also say this though. I don't feel like the best dunkers always compete as well. You know what I mean? I think part of that's yeah. because yeah. obviously make a ton of money. They don't want to get hurt, and I understand that. But I do think if the best dunkers truly did compete, it would be it it, it would be better as well so no no let me let me ask you this so obviously social media plays a big part in like you know people have already seen this dunk before or seen the dunk better so when somebody does it it's not like that wow moment but like what's one of those dunks where no matter how many times you see it it's still an amazing dunk um i, I would have to say between the legs that's kind of timeless uh I mean, you've seen it in almost every dunk contest. Yeah. You got Jay Rich. He does his between the legs. Vince Carter go. I mean, uh, not Vince Carter. Zach Levine goes and does yeah. it between the legs from the free throw line. Yeah, uh, that was crazy. <laughs> I think that's kind of one of the one of the timeless kind of dunks that you can see it is really as many times, but it's done so differently by you know whoever's doing it that it kind of brings a new feeling to it when you see different people do it. That's a good point. That's a good point. Man. Now, right before we go to our, our, our fun segments in the show, let me ask you this. Hypothetically, if you did win the dunk battle, you did win that $10,000. Tell the Porsche family right now, what would you do with that 10,000? That's a lot of money. No, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot of bread. You know what I'm saying? You say you from the hood. I'm from the hood. We grew up. We ain't have much. Ten thousand bones ain't nothing. To, that's that's a lot of bags of hot Cheetos. That's a that's a that's a lot of sprites. That's a let us know what you're thinking about. Uh, well, my birthday is on Saturday, so turn up. Okay, all right. You know, I might have to go up a little bit. Um, we at sounds with it. Sounds off, bro. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> I think I think if I had to spend it on anything, hmm, what would I spend it on? 
I don't know. I don't really buy myself a lot of stuff. I might buy some shoes. Okay. My my new clothes. But if anything, I might just keep it in the bank. I don't really be spending my money. My man. That's what I'm talking about. My man. Smart, smart man, ain't he? He's been dropping gems all day. I don't care if it's basketball. I don't care if it's it's, it's the the art of ducking or it comes to saving your bread. My man knew been dropping gems all day, man. I love it. I love it, man. So let, let's go to our final segment of the show. These are more of our like our quick hitters, but we'll ask you just a few random questions and uh we want to we want to hear your take. So I'm gonna get it started, and then Bolo, you can go ahead and uh and jump in. So first question: who's the greatest player that you've competed against that maybe not a lot of people know about? Like somebody who's not in the league, someone who, who's maybe like an underground cat. Who you grew up either hooping against in the streets, Drew League, somewhere on like a lower level, but this guy can like give you 30 on like, you know, any moment. Is there anybody that stand out? You're like, man, this guy, listen, y'all don't know him, but this guy, this guy can get buckets. Um, I know that's a tough question. Yeah, that's tough. I would say, oh, I know, Marvell Harris. Oh, Marvell from the Drew League, right? Yeah. Oh, uh, Marvell was going crazy this, this this summer, man. He's a bucket. He's a bucket. He's a bucket, man. Like he, he's it's crazy if you look at him, you might think he's more of a football player than a basketball <laughs> player. Like he he's a bigger guy, kind of you know he's decently tall, but a stockier guy. Like you look at him, you wouldn't yes. really think like oh he can hoop, but we put that ball in his hand, man. He just has a, a knack for creating space, playing physical. He can shoot. He can really handle do, do everything. Handle. Yeah. yeah that's I a think good one. Shout out to Marvell, man. That's a good one right there. All right, new next question here. What do you consider your uh, your favorite dunk? The, a dunk that you've actually completed? Mm. I think the windmill honey dip is, is like the top on my list right now. Ooh. So for the Porsche family and for the people who, ain't, uh, who isn't you know, that well-rounded with the names of the dunks, what does that consist of? So a windmill is when you take the ball and then you bring it all the way around like this. And a honey dip is when you put your elbow in the rim. So putting the elbow in the rim. Damn. That's his famous dunk ball, though, man. He bring it all the way around town, finish right here, hangs on the rim. It's nasty. It's nasty. <laughs> it's a tough dunk, man. That's probably one of my favorite ones that I've seen you do as a fan as well. So, um, all right, switching gears here a little bit. You're from you're from out you're from LA, so I got to ask you this: What's better, Fat Burger or In and Out? Fat Burger. Ooh, he said that too quick. He said that too quick, D Nail. Tell us why you got you got to tell us why you asked it real. You ain't even think about. It. He said Fat Burger. Yeah. In and out, I feel like In and Out is is overrated. And the reason why I say that, I I used to eat In and Out a lot, so I feel like I'm qualified to to say this now. <laughs> right. um, but you know, you got about seven minutes to eat In and Out, and after that, it's crusty. Like you can't we even hear that eat. a lot. It's like the fries. They the fries, lose, are, the fries they are trash. We we can yeah. we can agree on that. Fries are garbage. They lose the texture and the burger is you know it's like a cool little burger. 
but this is just regular. You know, you got to get animal style. Like, you got to do something to it for the burger to not be. But you go to Fat Burger, then the burgers is, is juicy. They falling all over the place. You know what I'm saying? Like, they got, they got the good milkshakes as well. You don't get the same strawberry chocolate vanilla like can you can we get some other flavors or creativity you know what i'm saying so i feel like i feel like fat burger got it for sure you know what i have to agree bro i think fat burger is better but i do i feel like i go to in and out more just because maybe i don't know if it's more convenient because with the drive-through you know fat burger a lot of the fat burgers be in the hood for some reason Number one. Number two, you gotta get out the car, you gotta walk in. Like it's a whole process. <laughs> in and out, I mean you in and out. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> it's the reason I mean, they got the name. In and out though, because the because the line got 78 cars in it. I don't I don't know if you really yeah, that's a good point. The line be crazy, bro. I guarantee they packed right now. They always pack. It don't matter what time. So that's that's a good point, no. That's a good point. I don't know why I go to I go to In and Out more than, than uh Fatburger. The fat burger is fire, and you can get a chicken sandwich. You, you can get an impossible burger. Like they got more options too. Mm-hmm. Damn, hey, I might go tonight. You got me ever thinking about it? That shit got me hungry. That shit got me hungry as hell. Whoa, whoa! <laughs> hey, it's funny though. Real quick, New said with In and Out. He said you can't just order a burger. Like you got to do something to it. You got to do like you got you got to freak it down there. You got to you got you got to know the secret menu to really enjoy yourself. You got animal style, fried hard onions. Like you got to know all the little tricks and tricks of the trade. That's funny. Damn. Yes, sir. Last question. So gotta ask you this before we before we wrap up the show. Uh oh. Who are the better fighters, basketball players or football players? Let us know. Think about it for a second, though. Think about it from your experiences growing up in sports. You hoop, but I'm, I'm sure you know football players. We've had this argument before with other friends. Keep it real. Who got the better hand? Football players, basketball players? Based on my experience is basketball players. Football players is like wrestlers. Ah, oh, man. Don't let, them get, don't let them get close to you and, and you get straight. And, you know, basketball players, they typically got a longer or longer reach, so just don't get tackled, and you know, if you could throw them hands, like it, it might be a, it might be a bad time. <laughs> so basically, what he's saying here, if if you fighting a football player in the elevator, you might, you, it might be, it might be a wrap. It's a wrap. But if you fight in the parking lot where you can stick and move, you might be able to do a little something if you're a hooper. That's wild. Because the only thing I think about on the hooping side, I think about the malice in the palace. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I think about you know how Ron Artest, you know what I mean, all them guys, <laughs> uh, Steven Jackson, laying people to fuck out. Like, <laughs> but I've seen a couple people in the league in, in NFL too, though, put some hands on folks too, though. But it's like it's always different because you got equipment on in football, so it, it, the yeah. effects of hitting a nigga in the jaw is different than <laughs> you know hitting somebody in the jaw on the court. So I'm damn, I damn, I'm damn gonna have to ride with basketball too, though, for real. <sighs> Wow, Bolo. That's it. Be it. Be it. Be your own people. It be your own people. Hey, rest in peace. But remember, remember Kobe. Kobe Bean got bust on too. Remember that? He got it. He did. That's my goat, though. So you know what I mean. That's my goat. So love Kobe, man. Love it, man. So nah. Well, no. We appreciate you for joining the porch and having you on, man. It was a pleasure learning about your story. Before we let you go, man. This is your time to kind of let people know where they can find you. If they want to learn more about you, if they want to support you along your journey, let them know where they can find you on IG or anything you want to promote, man. This is your time to do it. Yeah, you guys can find me on IG at newwilliams underscore. 
that's my IG. That's my Twitter. Uh, you can find me on TikTok at the Lion Lab, T H E L I O N L A B, the Lion Lab. That's uh, that's my my company where I help people. Really, it's not really about vertical. It's more about fitness and understanding biomechanics and understand how to train properly. But of course, that can get you bounce. If you're a female, that can get you some, you know, something in the trunk. Uh, it's a lot of things that I kind of that I kind of work on in um in my fitness program. So if you want to check that out, you can hit me up on Instagram and and chat with me about that, and I'll let y'all know. But again, my Instagram new Williams underscore same Twitter. And at on TikTok at the Lion Lab. Yes, sir, man. Yes, sir. Y'all heard it. Make sure y'all follow my guy new on all platforms and follow him alongside his journey. Bolo, man, it's time to close out the show. How, how do we close out the show, Bolo? Let's do it. Hey, one thing I gotta say before we end the show, please follow us. Shout out to Caffeine, D Porch Podcast underscore. Find us everywhere, all your listening platforms, man. Shout out to our dog new man. Good luck in the rest of the dunk battle. Go ahead and crush it. Get that 10K. Turn up or you can save it. anything you want to do with it. But best thing that we got is, hey, it's not practice makes perfect. It's perfect practice makes perfect. Ooh, All right. Okay. Hey, that's how we do it. Hey, make sure the best you is the best you. And we out. Peace. Started on the porch. That was where I began. Had to put in work every day. We got it in. Chased all our dreams and now they can't believe it We make it look easy, we achieving everything we need Now we undefeated, if we link, no it's only business If we get to speaking, leave them speechless I did things for free but now it costs to see me When you see me, you ain't gotta greet me Just don't plot to sneak me, I'ma see it I'ma stop and watch you lose and get defeated What do we bleed? Came from the jungle, we humble but hungry and hunt and defeat People don't want us to leave They love us and rush to the bus when we run in the streets Thinking we stunning the sea We came from nothing to something Now up in the lead Now we ain't coming in peace Hunting for blood and to crush everyone in the league We got a reason We put in work every day of the week Every month, every season So many schemes Had to go off for the team We gave our all and succeeded Came from the deep end Woman and boss cooking ramen At times that was all we was eating Now we be feasting Five star restaurants every week Whole teams ripped in cloth and it seems They looking hard when we step on the scene Call us out cats We so fresh and so clean Hand about cats Please don't ask for a meeting Just hit the stoop out the spaz on the Nah, it ain't rude if you ask for the fee Just play it cool when I tax you the fee We need a pool in the back with a cord and a board And go jump off and splash for the heat Live for the day cause the past can't determine the future Or where you gon' actually be Keep staying presence, our presence a blessing It's all that we have and we actually need I'm taking action with passion, detaching The ones who keep acting attached to leech I am no pastor but actually preaching Look up these letters and actually read That was where it all began Had to put in work Every day we got it in Chased all our dreams and now they can't believe it We make it look easy, we achieving everything we need Now we undefeated, if we link, no it's only business If we get to speaking, leave them speechless I did things for free but now it costs to see me When you see me, you ain't gotta greet me Just don't plot to sneak me, I'ma see it I'ma stop and watch you lose and get defeated Presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. 
Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.